Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club, that's getinthefight.club, and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight, so let's go. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. This is episode number 21. I'm your host, Nate Whitson. And super excited to introduce you to a great man and mentor to many men in my local area here in mid-Michigan named Mike Winter. I met Mike several years ago. We'll have to go back to this, Mike, and we'll see if we can pinpoint it exactly. But in general, we are both homeschool families, and my wife is very active and involved in the area. And so I think connections through Mike's wife and my wife eventually became familiar with Mike. Since then, I've heard him speak at several homeschool conventions and different men's events and ministries that he organizes and serves at. As you're about to see, Mike is a very busy guy, and we're really lucky to have him on here today. I'm just going to read a little bit of this, and Mike, you'll have to fill me in where I miss anything here. But Mike's a homeschool dad of 10 children, is married to his wife, Kim. They've been married for 35 years and live here in the mid-Michigan area. Mike is also a host of a daily huddle with men online at www.nogodcoach.com. That's K-N-O-W, not N-O, nogodcoach.com. <laughs> he is also the area director uh, for the Christian Businessmen's Connection, CBMC, where their mission is to present Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord to business and professional men and to develop Christian business and professional men to carry out the Great Commission. Mike and Kim started a homeschool support group years ago called Chess, and that now has over 300 families involved. And they are also directors of a group called Michigan Christian Homeschool Network. Mike, that is a lot of stuff, and I'm sure it doesn't probably cover all of it. So thank you for joining me today and being here with us. I'm really glad to have you. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be with you. And most of that homeschooling stuff is run by my wife and her team. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, let's not think more highly of myself than I should. I already have those issues. <laughs> you, you just you get the the guilty by association and get to put your name in all the wall, right? On the I do. I get to sign the checks and sign the tax return. So if we don't pay our bills, then the IRS has someone to go to. The women don't like that too much. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, that's my rule. Kim said, you're, you're going to sign this. And you're like, what am I signing? She said, just put your name down. That's right. That's you're why you jail. She's got to take care of the kids. That's right. That's right. We just off air, you had mentioned, I didn't mention this, but 10 kids, right? And, and how many grandkids? We just had number 11 two days ago. Two days ago. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. 10 kids and 11 grandkids. Now you can't be older than 50. So that's, I'm that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, okay, You're very kind, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm way older than that. That's we got amazing. started a little late. 
That's awesome. Well, I I, want to get into so many different things here and, and really be respectful of your time. But you know, for those of you guys listening into this, you know, just reading through that, if you don't know Mike, you probably don't truly appreciate like how much he's been in the battle for Christian men for a long, long time. And then just, you know, raising kids, there's just so much wisdom and things just through experience in life that, that I want to chat with you about Mike. So we'll, we'll get right to it, but maybe just tell us a little bit, give us the quick intro to your story, maybe growing up. I'm right here from Lansing. I'm okay. from good pagan stock. <laughs> my mom kicked my real dad out when I was one for cheating on her. I remarried when I was four to a union carpenter. A really good guy, but just a pagan. Christianity was for weak people and women. I didn't have any use for it, so I didn't have any use for it. Until really a friend of mine was killed in a car wreck. Right after high school, you know, doing the same things we always did, drinking and driving, and they rolled their car and were killed, and I was asked to be a pallbearer. I had never really been to a funeral, and now I'm carrying a casket. And it was a Catholic funeral, which was really good because as the priest was going down the line, passing out the bread, he looked at me, and he kept moving. Hmm. And uh, it was like a slap in the face, like, how did this guy know I'm not Catholic? I don't even know. But God used it to awaken me to say, you know, if you were to die today, where would you go? I have no clue. And even though I didn't go to church, my dad wasn't religious. I I think I believed in God. I I know I did. I mean, I had a weird aunt that believed in God. And and so I decided to figure that out. And uh, I was going to a Christian school, actually. Hope College is where I was headed. I was going there for pre-law. It didn't have anything to do with their religion. They, They weren't pushing their religion. But they did have a, a campus chaplain. So now that I'm kind of thinking about what happens when you die, I go see this chaplain. I ask him, you know, what happens when you die? I want to make sure that if there is a God, I'm all good. So he pulls out a four spiritual laws book and goes through it with me. Now, the value of the four spiritual laws is it kind of shares the gospel. God loves you. You're separated from God from sin. You need to ask God to forgive you and invite Christ into your life. That part's good, except after doing that, in my head, I check the box, it's done, put that in the drawer and move on with my life, which is what I did. So was I a Christian then? I don't know. Probably, maybe, maybe not, because nothing changed, to be honest, other than, you know, I bought the insurance, got my million dollar policy. Now, if I get hit by a bus, my wife will be taken care of, that kind of a thing. So. It was really next semester, though, that I, I really connected to some guys who are Christians, was challenged to read the Word, and uh, and that really blew up my spiritual life and helped me become a man after God's you know desire, I guess. Yeah, so that's kind of my Christian testimony. I've been with CBMC 30 years almost. I love the ministry because it, it focuses just on men. We help men obey the Great Commission, like you read perfectly. That's the mission for every Christian in my mind is the Great Commission, win, seek and save the lost. And we disciple guys and we give guys outreach opportunities. And we just had three guys check a box to receive Christ two weeks ago. We have businessmen share their testimony. And uh, and then we give an invitation after a businessman shares, how did he become a Christian? And theoretically, our members all bring lost guys, unsaved guys. I brought a Hindu 
He was actually fasting to one of his gods during my luncheon, which cracked me up. But he didn't repent to receive Christ, but whatever, it's still another another seed, you know, in his yeah. heart, I hope that God will use to eventually save his life. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, the CBMC events that I've been to, I've been to a couple, I think, and it really, what a great idea. I don't know, you know, where this generated from, but to reach Christian men and to challenge them to bring somebody who doesn't know Jesus into a setting like that and present the gospel through that is is very powerful. And, and the work that you guys are doing there is is really great. Tell us a little bit. I, I know I had given this you know, no God coach, but it was K-N-O-W, not no God, N-O. Tell us a little bit about that. What What is the no God coach huddle that you do? Yeah, no God coach is a creation of mine years ago, 20 years ago, maybe. Oh, wow. Uh, really, <laughs> to protect CBMC. I'm a missionary for CBMC, but, you know, I write and speak a fair amount what I think the Bible says, what if I'm wrong? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure I am. I tell guys all the time, I, 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 I'm sure my theology is wrong. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that, it's really an honest attempt to be humble. The, the idea that you and I can really comprehend the awesomeness and wonder of God, who's so much bigger, is, is ridiculous in my mind. I'm not all that in a bag of chips, and I don't know everything. I'm very comfortable with what I believe the scripture says, and I love the Bible. Yeah. But God's way bigger than I am. So I'm on a mission to know God better, to know him personally, to know him deeper, to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm trying to encourage men to do the same. And uh, that's what no God is. In fact, but I did have another guy yesterday. I get beat up all the time for my no God coach thing because my phone is, says no God coach. And he goes, you know, you got to get rid of that name because everybody thinks you're a pagan. <laughs> and and I love it because I said, well, then let's have a conversation. Because the idea that there is no God is stupid, in my opinion. Right. Uh, you know, and, and I have a few pagans that I talk to about Jesus. And I, and I have that conversation. They, they call themselves atheists. And I said, seriously, man, you are highly irregular. Because hardly anyone from any time in history on any place on the planet has not believed in God. God has been sought and worshipped by people through the centuries, everywhere. So to not believe in God is crazy. It's, it's highly irregular and, and very unique. And when I say that to guys, they usually kind of pull back like they never thought about that. But it's totally true. It doesn't matter where you go, from the Incas and Aztecs in South America to the to the Chinese. I mean, the Buddhists don't really have a god, but the Japanese sure do. They have lots of them. And anyway, we all know that God's been worshipped since the dawn of time, and that's because he put in our heart a desire for him. Our sin just distorts that. We create our own religions, our own gods, and uh, and we get away from him. But that doesn't diminish or, or or get rid of the fact he is. That's right. And he is a rewarder of those who seek him earnestly. So in the in the no God coach, do you offer coaching or is it more of just a space for thought and like what all goes into that, Mike? Yeah, my website has you can call me for coaching. Okay. I do some coaching. I I, I like to call it discipleship. Really depends what we're talking about. I do some speaking, but I do a daily blog that just downloads some information about who God is, 
how to know them better. So, so that's what it is. And my book is listed there. I mean, it's just the whole spectrum, but, but yeah, coaching is a piece. CBMC is big on coaching. Okay. Helping guys grow in their faith. Coaching is really about setting goals and helping guys get there, which is a piece. Other goals are just to know God better. And that, I call that discipleship, really, where you and I meet in the scripture and grow together. Because even if I'm further down the road than you are, the Holy Spirit is in your life working. And I'm always blessed by the guys I meet with who challenge me, encourage yep. me in my faith yep. as God's working out his life in their life. Yeah, exactly right. This ministry that that we call Get in the Fight really is just a, a call to help men become the men that God meant for them to be. And a lot of that is finding out, number one, that there is a God that's known you before the day you were that you arrived on this earth. You had purpose in him that he made you for a reason. And we need to find out what is that purpose? What, what did God make Mike Winter for? Like, why are you here? Right. And, and so a lot of that is getting men connected to other men to, to, to go on that journey, you know, very similarly there. And it's partly why I love being able to interview and get to know different men like this in this kind of platform, because we want to, con I just want to connect men to Jesus and to men who are fighting for that. And so, yeah, I'm glad to introduce them to somebody like you at nogodcoach.com. That's a great place for men to go and, you know, have some guy that's maybe older than you. For a lot of our audience, I think it's probably guys younger than you that we just so desperately need older, wiser men in our lives that can help lead us and guide us. And, and so, yeah, that's really cool and encourage you guys to check that out. I want to talk just for a few minutes about homeschooling with you. We both are homeschool dads. I have chosen to go that route. And obviously you're very passionate about that. What is to you, like, what is the heart of homeschooling and why do you advocate for it so much? Yeah, well, that's a good question. The heart of homeschooling to me is discipling our children. And I advocate for it so much because as a parent, a Christian parent, God's responsibility for us is to raise godly children. That's Malachi 2. His desire for us is godly offspring. And so teaching them in the way they should go, which is towards him, is, is our mission. And getting rid of our kids all day at school makes that really tough. I mean, you mm -hmm. got to be on your A game if you're going to get an hour or two a day with your kids after they've had 8 to 12 hours a day with their peers. That is a tough, tough road to overcome. Some guys do, and praise the Lord, but I'm probably not that good. So I wanted to pull my kids out of that. Here, here's, the, here's my belief. Influence is a product of relationship, and relationship is a product of time. Hmm. So whoever has the most time in the lives of our children has the greatest relationship with our children and therefore the greatest influence upon our children. So if our kids are in school eight hours, then they go to sports for two hours, then they go to youth group for two more hours, you know, they got 12 hours of peers. Yeah. And I don't care if it's at church, the Christian school or whatever. The peers, the kids are kids, man. Yep. They're on the journey to becoming like Christ. It's all my, I call them pagans. They're all pagans. My kids are pagans. Your kids are pagans. They're all pagans. So they really follow the Lord. And that takes a process, a maturing time. Yep. So if they got 12 hours with their peers and one hour with me or two, that's a battle that's hard for me to win, man, and trying to influence them. 
towards Christ because their relationship is locked in with their peers. So that's why they, they want the phones or the dressing or the going to the movies or whatever it is. Yep. That's why so many guys lose their influence with their children when they get older is because they don't have the time in like their peers do. And they, so they lose the battle of influence. That's, that's, <laughs> that is profound. Really. I mean, that, that's such a, a powerful way of saying that. And it's exactly, I mean, you're right on. I, I had never thought of it in those terms until we started homeschooling. I was the dad where my wife says, like, I think we should homeschool. Neither one of us were homeschooled. We both went to public schools here in Olivet. And I just thought, well, are they going to be able to like read and write? Like, and I, I asked the dumb question everybody asks is like, well, what about social something? You know, are they going to be weirdos? And you know, just all the wrong questions in the very beginning, but it's where most of us start. But what I didn't realize until later was exactly what you say right there so well that our, I didn't realize how much we're raised by our peers, but it totally makes sense. It's just a matter of time <laughs> that that relationship. So like when you're going through difficult seasons of life and you don't have enough time with your parents who are there to guide you through that, you're looking at your buddy next to you going like, how are you handling this? Right. And they are, they are really building into us right or wrong because that's where our influence is. So that's, that's really amazing. Like the, you say that so well, but that the idea of influence and not like, I think we, we sell short the idea that we're going to, our kids are going to be out of the house. Lord willing, we live a long life. They're going to be out of our house a lot longer than they're with us. And if we want to have influence in those later years, then we've got to build into the short amount of time that we actually have with them at home. Right. Well, we do. And we got to keep that relationship going and there's ways to do that. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you know, we know this intuitively. Here's, here's where I tell men all the time, you know, the truth of these principles, time, relationship, influence. So you saw this hot little chick, man, a blonde brunette, don't matter. You saw her, you said to yourself, I want that. What did you do? You kicked your buddies to the curb and you went after that girl, man. And you spent all the time you could with that girl in order to influence her to be your wife. You wanted to build a relationship to influence her to say yes to actually get in bed with you. And so you did. You poured all your time into that relationship to influence the outcome, which you did. You were successful. Anybody that's married yep. went through that. And every guy went through that. But that's probably the only relationship we've ever really poured our time into in order to get the influence we wanted. But with our kids, we need to do that. We can't assume yep. because they sleep in our, in their beds in our house, that they wake up in the morning in our house, that, that we have something by osmosis. We don't. Yep. Relationships take great intentionality. Yep. And we know that. Think about yep. your own relationships. Who influences your life? It's guys that have got a lot of time into your life that you have a, a close bond with, a relationship with. So it's, it's it, we know it. It's yep. intuitive. We just don't, haven't articulated it such or or then moved it into the realm of parenting. Yeah. Where we got to understand, I got to win the time. I got to win the time battle Man. so that I own the relationship so I can have the influence. That's right. Yeah, that's so well said. I think the majority probably of my center of influence and probably certainly the majority of those listening are not homeschoolers. And so one of the big things that I think we hear that you'll have heard this a, a billion times, I'm sure, but what do you say to the Christian dad 
listening to this and he hears what you just said and he's like man I, I understand what you're saying but what about my kids being light in the public schools like what about what if we take all of them out of the public schools what will happen then so shouldn't my kids be there to be the light what what do you say to that conversation with that dad yeah i would say if we took all the all the christians kids out of the public school nothing would change in the public school because it's not a kid's job to win the administration to Christ. It's not a kid's job to change that culture. They're kids. You know, I, I had a dad in our prayer group at our church pray for his kid who is being hugely pressured right now under, under the June celebration of LGBTQ. This guy works for the Board of Water and Light. He's a manager there. And I, I said to him, and this was a hard word, I said, brother, you're asking for prayer for your kid to win a battle you didn't fight in the marketplace. How is your 15-year-old going to win a fight you didn't fight at 40? We're not fighting it in the marketplace, man. Our culture is tanking, and that's on us. Mm -hmm. And now we want our kids to wage that war in the classroom. They're not going to do that. They're not, they're not supposed to do that. We yeah. want a child to do a man's job. That's just weakness on our part. That's a, that's a fail. So there may be a multitude of reasons you say to me, I can't homeschool. Uh, okay. All right, man. You know, I'm not, the Bible doesn't say homeschool or go to hell. It doesn't say that. So you're free. You're free. But, but like I started out with, you better be on your A game then. You yeah. got to figure out how to build your relationship with your kid that is, is, is way tighter than their peers. And, and it's not just managing their peers, it's managing your time and their relationship because honestly, man, 15 year olds, 12 year olds, 17 year olds are probably not going to, you know, lead your children to the ends you would lead them. They don't love them as much. They're not as smart as you are. They're probably not as spiritual Yep. and they don't have the same goals. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's well said. And I definitely think more men are are seeing what's happening at such a fast rate right now in our not just public schools, but just in, in culture and, and more and more are considering. And I think it's going to take a lot of courage for men to do something difficult and make a drastic change. And I think more are leaning that way and, and we'll see where that goes. But I, I really think that you give them something to really think about here you know in terms of influence and time and just really we've told people why do we do it because we looked at our big goal which was we want our kids to love jesus to know him but to love family in, in when they don't have to be with us that they would choose to be with us years years from now and again it's really hard to do that when we have such little time with them you know so great stuff there hey guys i hope you're enjoying the conversation so far and if you are please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us, and it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. There's so many topics I want to get to and still be good with your time, but you had said something that I wrote down at the homeschool conference we went to. We were having a conversation with men that you were leading, and it just really hit me. And I, I wrote it down. You said, who are your men? Like, who would carry your casket for you? That was like one of the intros to a, to a talk that you gave. And you talked about the need for men to connect with other men. Can you talk about that idea? And like, why is that 
so important. I'm, I mean, it's what we're preaching here and getting the fight every day and men are recognizing it, but tell me what's on your mind when you think about that and that need for men to connect. Well, that's the N in my man up book. Not a man is, is not alone, but he's integrally connected to the family of God. You know, first of all, that's, that's what the Holy spirit does when we're born again is he, he connects us to the family. He, he says we're part of the body. So you and I take our spot. You know, you're an elbow joint or a kneecap. I'm a sphincter muscle. But everybody is is made to connect. First of all, that's God. Our God is a triune God. You know, the fall is what isolated us. The fall is what makes us hide. That's what Adam and Eve did. And that's what men do. Mm-hmm. You know, we we get hurt. And we go to the cave, I call it, you know, to heal up. I can't tell you I'm weak. I can't tell you I'm hurting. I can't tell you I'm bleeding. When I come out of the cave whole, then I can tell you all about it because I'm whole again and I'm strong and I'm brave and I'm all that. That's not how we were made. And so we go through life lonely, broken, hurting, waiting, wondering, when can I finally have a somebody that loves me? We're not inhuman just because we're men doesn't mean we don't want to be loved and that we want to love people. We, we want that. That's right. That's normal. God loves God. So love the world. Love isn't a female virtue or trait. It's, it's a human trait because it's a God trait. Agreed. So we got to connect to guys. One, that's our design. We're designed for that. We need that in our soul. It's not going to be a ton. It'll be more for some than others. But intimacy, I mean, we have one wife. Okay, so intimacy is is always going to be small. uh, But we can have two or three, four or five friends. I mean, good friends. We should have hopefully more than that. But but we need that for our soul. Yeah, right on. To love and to be loved. Yeah. And just thinking of like that picture of, I actually like, I really paused during that question of who would carry your casket and trying to think through like, who are my six, (laughs) you know, like I don't, of course I'm a big dude. So maybe it might take seven for me, but especially if I got waterlogged, but you know, it's like, I'm trying to picture those men and, and I'm really grateful. I mean, a lot of the ministry that I'm running is built off the idea that I'm actually so blessed, not because I'm needing friends, but because I have so many. I feel like I my heart goes out to those men who don't have one, you know, and I don't want them to be alone, you know, in that. I want to help connect men to other men because it's so life-giving. You know, like you said, like this is a love is a that the definition almost of who God is, right? Like he is that. So it isn't this feminine thing. It's something that we need and we need to find ways, you know, to connect men to it. It's so life-giving. In fact, like if you grew up in athletics at all, or military or fire department or whatever these things are like the the aspect of having men on a team that do hard things together i just i still at 46 years old crave that like i want to be around guys that challenge me you can't be the man that god meant for you to be without men right and so if you're alone you're you're not able to become i don't think i don't think you can do it i think you'll 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 be saved but you won't be the man that god had in mind when he made you without that so such a critical aspect of what what's missing today yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned your, your book and that the, uh, that comes from the N in this acrostic of the word man. And I want to kind of talk about that for a minute. Maybe just give us some brief overviews of it, but maybe you can start with 
like it's this is a funny thing to me that people are going like well what is a man like that dumb question what like this is how backwards we are that we're not sure what a man or a woman is anymore but let's help maybe define that mike like what what is the biblical definition of a man and then maybe walk us through you know i wrote them down i could give those to you maybe we could just briefly get through the m a and n of that but let's start with the definition what does it mean to be a man yeah, I mean, it, it is a confusing time, right? We have a Supreme Court justice nominee, can't tell what a woman is. And mostly we think biologically, but when I started raising sons, I was I was challenged to answer that question. What is a biblical man? And and then teach it to the men at our church. That's why the acrostic, I did this over 20 years ago. So for me, man is, is, is using the acrostic, I can remember it, yep. you know? So a man is, he makes loving God and doing his will first priority. I mean, the great commandment has got to be in the equation, right? I mean, that's that's what God requires. So, so man has to loving God and doing His will. I mean, Jesus said, "If you love me, you'll obey my commands." So, so man has to engage that first, I think, and then accepts a accepts responsibility as a leader of his home and provider of his home and protector of his home. So the three Ps they get a lot of play in our in our world, but that they're really a middle part. And then and we already said not alone, but he's integrally connected to the family of God. Integrally is a hard word to say, but <laughs> you know the church is God's bride. He's building a church. You and I are part of a family. We're called sons and daughters. So we you know back to the last thing we just spoke about. Isolation is unhealthy. Yep. And we're not meant for that. Our God is a triune God. The church is his bride. You and I are sons and daughters. I mean, it's it, we are to be together. So that's the simple, quick definition that I came up with for what a biblical man is. And you guys could come up with their own. But if you don't have one, I would encourage you to embrace that one for now and, and start working on it. Yeah, and we'll we'll make sure that people know how to find the book afterwards so that we can link to that and they and they can go through that. And in, in, does the book cover that? Is that what Man Up is is covering? Is that yeah? That's yeah. the whole. That's the whole deal. I I just wrote it this year. I finished it in January because while I've had to study honestly for twenty five years and raised my children that way, I just married off my first two daughters mm-hmm. last or last year. Is that right? I think so. Anyway, and I'm dealing with these son in laws before they're marrying my daughters, and you know, one's father died at thirteen. The other when he was thirteen. The other his dad divorced his mom when he was 16. These boys didn't have men pouring into them. They were good kids. They went to church. They, they were Christians, but they didn't know what a man was either. And, yeah. you know, and, and you and I, you went to public school. So did I, you know, what, what is a man? A man was really a conqueror, right? He conquered women. He conquered other men. That's why I wanted to be the best football player or the best wrestler. And then as we get older, a man conquers, I conquer by being president of the company. Yeah. I make more money. Yeah. And I may still chase skirts, right? Because I'm still trying to conquer one, but he's a conqueror. Yep. That's what a man is. That's not a good definition. That's not God's definition. But that's kind of the default world definition. And if we don't have a definition, I certainly don't want to stand in line next to a bunch of other guys and think I'm weaker, weenier, not you know able with these other guys. So I'm going to try to man up. That's I'm going to be tougher or more sexy. That's right. It's, it's going to be hard for for me and you to be more sexy, right? Let's be honest. Right? 
Yeah, I lost the sexy bet. That's why I needed a different <laughs> definition. I was losing in the world's definition. I should have just spoke for me, but I've heard you talk enough to think you would throw yourself in that bus. I, I love the, I love the accepts responsibility one, not because I'm great at it, but because I think it's so critical. There's a, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Jocko Willink. He's not a believer, but Navy SEAL, business leader guy, and he's got a book called Extreme Ownership. And it's just, it's really powerful when you hear somebody talk about accepting responsibility. And one of the conversations I have a lot with guys is you're exactly where your decisions and actions have led you. It doesn't matter at all what you intend to be. It only matters what you actually do on a day-to-day basis, decision by decision. Like you're, if you're out of shape and you're not good, healthy, physically, you, that's on you that you put it there. If your relationship with your wife's not great, it's, that's on you, right? Like when you get to this extreme ownership where you say, this is on me. I, I've got to accept responsibility. I'm in charge of my family. I'm the head of this home, right? And I start to man up like your shirt says and your book says. When you first get to that point where you say, okay, no more excuses, I think change can come, right? Then I think you there's a humility or something that unlocks there that God now can get a hold of that man's heart because he finally stops pointing the finger like Adam did in the garden, right? A- any thoughts on that idea there. Yeah. I read that book a couple of years ago. It's a great book, but yeah, I mean, it starts with us, you know, it accepts responsibility as says first for yourself. Yeah, there you go. So before I'm married, you know, I got to be my own provider, my own protector morally and my own, my own priest I use in the book, you know, I got to develop myself spiritually. You're right. We're men, men, men like to fix things. Men are typically goal setters problem solvers. We just need to apply that to our life. Hey man, you know, we're built this way. That's what God is. That's our nature. So let's do it. You know, let's, I I think the reason some pagans are very much blessed by God is he loves, he loves when we take high risk, not, not stupid, but just push ourselves to the limit because we think, I think God thinks more highly of us than we think of ourselves. Mm. That because he created us in his image, he, he thinks our potential is almost unlimited. He says that in Genesis 18 when he says, look at the Tower of Babel. There's nothing these people can't do, which is why he then confuses all of our language. But that's an amazing concept for what God says. There's nothing these people can't do. He made us in his image. We are an unbelievable, limited limitless almost in our capacity to think and act and do. And, 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 and we just need to apply that and not, and, and get off the couch and get after it, be men. That's it. And we'll feel better about ourselves doing that. That's it. That's right. Exactly. Right. Let's transition a little bit. You, you've got 10 kids. So you, you've got to have some wisdom for us in terms of the different seasons of parenting, you know, so there's quite a few guys listening to this that have little ones you know, in the house right now. And there was a a buddy that's in the fight club I was talking to the other day, and he's got a stepson who's a challenge, who's maybe 10, you know, he's got a young one at three and then another one at under one or just one years old. And his marriage is, he's hurt. And like, everything's just kind of like hard right now, you know, and he's just been really tough on him. And I'm just like, man, listen, this is a season, (laughs) right? Talk to us a little bit about the seasons and the, some of those different things that we need to be aware of in those seasons of early age kids, the teenagers, and then maybe if we think of it, when the, you have kids that are out of the house now too. So you've seen it all. Kind of what, what comes to your mind about these seasons of parenting? 
Yeah, I, I got kids from 31 to 13. So, and so far they're, they're all walking with the Lord. I mean, you know, 13, 15, and 17 say they're walking with the Lord. I tell them the proof is yet to be had. <laughs> so I keep them on the edge. I'm not a big believer, and they prayed at six, so they're in. Anyway, blah, blah. You know, I have a, a parenting motto that says the sixth command is the means to the first command. So the sixth command is honor your father and mother. That's the only command a child is given, but he's given that a few times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So I used to take my kids at three and eight and 12 and say, you got one command. That's to honor your father and mother. If our 18-year-old leaves our house and they don't have respect for us, they're not going to be following the Lord. Hmm. If they leave our house at 18 and they respect us, there's a great chance they'll be following the Lord. But the opposite isn't true. So, you know, again, and I gave you my other little philosophy. Relationship is a product of time and influence is a product of relationship. So in the earliest years, man, you know, this, this is countercultural. You got to discipline your children. The Bible eight times in Proverbs says, don't spare the rod. It's law before grace. That's how God did it with Israel. Think about a three-year-old man or a two-year-old. Think about the ego of these people. First of all, our worldview is these kids come into the world a blank slate. and We have to pour positive energy into them, positive ideas. That's a pagan worldview. The biblical worldview is we're born pagans. We're born sinners, rebellious against God. And we see it in a two-year-old. I mean, a two-year-old will tell his mother, absolutely no. Don't put my coat on. I'm not eating peas, <laughs> right. whatever, and, and go nuts. Now, just think about it. Just pause the tape and say, well, what is a two-year-old? We are, we are 10 times their body weight and at least three times their height. Now, just think about right now. If somebody walked into your house 18 feet tall right. and 2,000 pounds, dude, you're backing off. <laughs> right. You know why? Because you realize this guy could kill me. 2,000 pounds, 18 feet, he's probably going to kill me. But not a two-year-old. They look at you and they say, bring it. I got all you want. I will take you on all day. So they only understand power. They only understand law. And so they have to be disciplined. Now they have to be disciplined correctly. But in those early years, you have to bring discipline because they have to understand who's in charge. Mm -hmm. And they have to begin to understand honor and authority. And, uh, and from that, then you transition to influence. What people are trying to do is they're trying to reason with a four-year-old. And, oh, Billy, I love you. And, Billy, just listen to mom. Mommy loves you. So put your coat on, Billy. And you're trying to use influence in a relationship where there's, there's not enough time. And it's not that you're not with them all the time. It's just they're in capacity to have a real relationship. A four-year-old doesn't have relationships. A four-year-old is self-consumed. Yep. And it's just because that's how they are. That's how we all are. It's not, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody's four-year-old. I'm just saying that's the way it is. So, so we have to use discipline. That's a huge deal early while having a relationship. I think the secret to my success, if you would, is I spend time with my kids. I, I date my kids. I still date my 31-year-old. Mm -hmm. I rotate them. I got 10, so I do two a week, breakfast or lunch. I, and I've been doing that since my 31-year-old was three. Mm -hmm. It really started out not intentional. It started out as a means to get this kid to be potty trained. His mom was going nuts. I promised him McDonald's if he'd start using the big boy potty. And 
whoa, you know, McDonald's, he's all in. So he got potty trained and we just started dating, if you will. And that's allowed me to invest a considerable amount of time in my children, developing my relationship over the years, which allows me to have influence. And that influence has been necessary as they got through their teen years and beyond, you know, who they marry, job selection, moral decisions. And so, so that's, that's imperative. If you're going to be the number one influencer in your child's life in those years where they're making hard decisions about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, then you, you have to have relational capital. And that's done with time. Again, you build it over time. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny how that kind of comes full circle. And obviously it makes sense when you've got a philosophy that's really well built like yours. And I think maybe that's part of it as I'm listening to you and I've heard you again over time speak like this was with just a lot of strength that you, you have a philosophy that you live by. And so it's not hard for you to know how to answer some of these things because you've built a philosophy, you know, your life around biblical principles. And I think maybe there's just a lot of guys that don't have a philosophy yet. And that's why it's like they're chasing one day this and then the next day that like, you know, it's like, fellas, listen, if you want influence and you want relationship, you got to do this through time. And, you know, these kinds of things, like just that one takeaway today for guys listening to this, they're just saying like, look, pour into your kids and you got to give them you, you you know, you've got to give them time because you don't have much with them. Right. Like my, my oldest is 18 on Halloween and they, and her and my 15 year old both cannot wait to be married and out of the house. I mean, we homeschool our kids. So rather than being excited for college, our kids get home, get ready to get married at 15. It's just a different thing, fellas. If you get into homeschooling, your kids aren't going to go to college. They're going to want to get married. So it's going to speed up your timeline, but, but it's a good thing. But man, you realize that time is just short, you know, and I love where you're going. It's super short. And, you know, I, I had similar girls, but again, you want him to marry somebody that's at the right time. Yeah. And a guy, if he can't, if he can't be a provider, he ain't ready, yeah. you know. And uh, conversely, it's not wrong for girls to, to work, to prepare themselves morally, financially, intellectually. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you put motherhood, and that's a whole different topic, but today, these women today, they find they're, they're pushed to have their value equal to that of a man. And a man's value comes from being CEO of a company. Mm-hmm. But motherhood is, in my opinion, biblically, the highest value of a woman. That's that's a woman's, if you will, the, the pinnacle for a woman is to have children, to be a mother with those children. And to really be the primary influencer at one level of those children. Not, not an influencer in the sense of really direction, but influence in the sense of their, their love, their, their feeling of warmth, their feeling of acceptance. Mom is a nurturer. A woman was made, I believe this, and I put that in the book, and that's somewhat controversial these days, that a woman's primary role is to nurture children. That's our primary role to, to provide and protect children and lead them, lead them to where they should go. And that would be the other thing I'd say to that. Not only is that time, but that time then has to be intentional. Yeah. You know, you're constantly talking to your kids about what's going on out there and how they should think and, uh, you know, and dealing with the issues and dealing with their friends. Uh, I'm always asking my friends, 
you know, one of my tricks really is your friend's a pagan. That kid's no good. And my kids will be like, what? That kid's a great kid. I go, really? Tell me why. See, I really don't know the kid, but I start off negative. It forces my kid to explain to me why this kid is a great kid. They don't understand that game and, and they will probably won't hear this podcast, which is great, but it lets me in on who their friends are. But see, I start off by attacking their friend. You know, that kid's going no place. He's a loser, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes I'll be like, yeah, he really is. I'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I definitely don't want you hanging around that dude. But sometimes they come back, that's not true, Dad. He does this, he does that. Okay. Really? I don't know if he does. You know, I push. So that's a great way to find out. But you got to be intentional again, yeah, back to, you know, it. just talking to your kids. Yeah. Even the McDonald's thing. I mean, guys listening to this. I know one of the big struggles many men say is like, I don't know how with our schedules to be, to do this quiet time as a family, lead my family in devotions. Well, again, I'm not saying that that should necessarily replace some of that, but what a powerful way to be intentional with time in a way that you'll get your kid's attention by taking them to have a, a short lunch break with them or something like that, or breakfast. Like, you know, there are ways fellas that you can, intentionally spend time with your kids that they will say yes to like taking them to breakfast or lunch. So you might, you might have to budget for it. You might have to spend a lot of money. I'd hate like, you, you know, Mike, you'd have to add up years of two a week, right? That's you've spent a considerable amount of time and money, but the payoff are kids that want you to influence them still, even after they left your house, kids that want to still spend time with you. What, what, what gift is that? That is life. That is everything that matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean, I have five grandkids at my house this week for VBS. That's how we started. Why do I have them? Because my oldest two are sending me their kids for uh, Nana and Papa week to take them to our church's VBS, you know, because they trust us. Yeah. They love us. They they feel good about the investment we made in their lives, and they want that same investment in their kids' lives, even, even as they're trying to do it themselves. That's right. That is a blessing. You're right about that. Family, it all comes down to... You know, at the end of our days, man, it's who loves you and who do you love? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's primarily going to be answered in family. Yep. And uh, nothing breaks our hearts more than our family. Yep. Nothing brings us more joy, honestly, than our families. And uh, the sooner we realize that, the sooner we'll make that the priority. That's right. And, and we'll have a happier life, man. That's right. Because we're pouring it in the right things. Speaking of that, you've been married for 35 years. I think I, I think I yeah. did the math right from where I took right. this 35 years. That's amazing. Something to celebrate in today's world for sure. Congrats to you guys. Thanks. Tell us a little bit like what, what comes to mind over 35 years, 10 kids, busy lives, you know, what's the secret for you and Kim in terms of keeping you together and keeping your marriage, not just like floating, you know, like it's one of the saddest things we see is even in the Christian world, people that get to the point where their kids are out and they don't, in that marriage, they don't really know each other. They've kind of lost each other. Like, address that for us as men today. How do we keep the marriage where it needs to be? Yeah, that's a great one because, you know, honestly, here's another philosophy, right? Men marry a woman for her body. Women marry a man for a future family. So, you know, we see that little hottie at 20, and, man, we are as happy as we can be. We, we've married perfect. She has not married perfect. She's married a project that she's going to get to perfect. <laughs> over time. We didn't know that going in. And, uh, but anyway, you know, so the key is though, manning up again is what do I want? 
well, I don't want a divorce. I don't want to lose this woman. Truth is, there's not going to be anything better. And God has commanded me to stay faithful. God is a faithful God. God hates divorce because he is a faithful God. When he makes a commitment, he's all in and he'll never back mm-hmm. out. And he, he requires the same from us. So so then I have to be intentional. And we got to fight with a woman. I mean, the woman, when she has children, she does focus on those kids. And she can lose her way, quite frankly. And I don't want to throw a bunch of rocks at women, but that's true. And, and it's, it's part of her design. And if we allow that to happen, where she becomes all focused on the kids, we can drift off and become all focused on work yep. and, and or our play. And that's where you talked about, you know, then we then when suddenly the kids are gone, she's now ready to return focus. But we've already locked into something else and gone a different way. We can't do that. Yep. We have to stay focused. And really the Lord first, and I, I would suggest that's the answer for, for part of your question is, is Kim and I, you know, we, we seek the Lord first in our lives. We stay engaged. We stay talking and we stay in ministry. So like right now through the homeschooling community, we're doing a, a summer study on, on fatherhood and motherhood. And so we, we try to stay ministering together. We, we do operate in different worlds at one level. She's not at CBMC. She's not in my businessman's world. And I'm not completely engaged in the homeschool world like she is, but we are engaged in that world to some degree. Yeah. And, and people can do that in their church, but you got to stay on the Lord and then stay together to serving together, working together, figure out what that looks like. So that you're a team still, you know, because when you got married, you liked that woman. You thought she was hot. That's probably number one for every man. You thought she liked you because she you're influencing her and she says nice things. And you thought she'd be a great person to be with for the rest of your life. And that you could do things with her, not maybe play basketball, but but you could be a team. So so do that. Stay focused on that. Figure out where can you be a team. And just work on that and don't quit. Yeah. Don't quit. Yeah. yeah, it goes back even, I think, again, you, you mentioned what, what makes up a man, that acrostic. Again, that accepts responsibility. Is your marriage unhealthy right now? Are you focused on the hottie at work? <laughs> right? I mean, that happens to a lot of us. Are you so focused on sports? Or like, if your relationship with your wife isn't where it should be, that's on you. That's, that's on you. Like, you fix it as a man like you take responsibility for your family and that might mean you go get counseling right get some biblical counseling find talk to your pastors right call call a coach like mike right but to just say like okay like we had a guy the other day i was talking with in fight club and he was saying man we're just struggling i don't know if we'll make it that kind of stuff i'm like dude you can't talk that way first of all you can't say that out loud you can't say that to her you've got to say instead since we're not going anywhere we better fix this (laughs) right? Since we're not leaving each other, we better make this as good as we can get. So let's get going. Right. And that's what we need is we need men, you know, to do that. And I love the idea of, of serving together, you know, pursuing Christ. Number one, like our kids the other day, you would like this, like we, we have these little uh, cards on the table where we can ask each other questions when we're having meals together or something. And one of the kids asked us like, what was the best marriage advice that you got? Because again, my kids all want to be married like yesterday somehow at 15 years old and all that. But we just said, the best advice I heard is to love Jesus passionately and first. 
And that's what you were saying too. And I just think it's true. Like that's, you want to fix things and fall in love with the Lord because he's going to change your heart and he's, your heart's going to start to break for things that his break for. So I appreciate all that, Mike. Look, when you look back, this question I wrote was, you know, when you look back, what do you regret not doing more of earlier in your marriage? Is there anything that you look back and go, doggone, I wish I would have something. Is there anything that comes to your mind, any regrets that you wish you would have done more of earlier in your marriage? Oh, for sure, man. I mean, I think the two biggest are serving and speaking more kind words. You know, I remember Promise Keepers was big in the early part of my marriage in the early 90s. I got married in 88, but the early 90s, I remember guys were always talking about, you know, this one guy said, men, because if we're the leaders of the home, okay, we all want to stand up. Yeah, I'm the leader of my home. Okay, Jesus said the greatest of all is a servant of all. So if I'm the great leader, I'm the greatest servant. And he said, how many of you men are really out serving your yeah. wife? I'm like, I know I'm not, man. I know <laughs> yep. I'm not. And, uh, you know, it's always challenged me. And I, I still haven't arrived. No way. My wife still, she beats me to the finish line on serving every day. But I'm trying to increase, man. I'm trying to get better. I I want my wife to, you know, Jesus said in Ephesians, he said, his goal is to present his church before his father, pure and undefiled, without stain or blemish. That's how we want to present our wives to him. This woman should be better than we got mm-hmm. her. Healthier physically, maybe, I don't know about physically, spiritually and emotionally anyway. Mm-hmm. Healthier, right? She won't be healthier physically because if she lives to 90, she's probably not as strong as she was at 20. But you know my point. Yeah. My point really is we want this woman to be better. That's our goal at one level. And us too, because that's what the Holy Spirit's doing, right? He's he's forming us into the image of Jesus. In theory, you and I are getting more like Jesus every day, every year, every decade. So God's goal is to make us more like him. Our goal should help facilitate that process in our wives too. And so serving and just speaking more yeah. kindly, man, not being so impatient, not being so demanding. I know I have been. I'm, I'm wired that way. I'm wired to quick decisions. Man, I don't need all day to make a decision. Here it is. Yep. And then, you know, I'm wired to take action. So we're going forward. You know, it's, it's unfortunately, so much of my life has been shoot, you know, aim, <laughs> then <Right>. aim. <laughs> and that's a bad way to live sometimes, many times, especially with a woman. Yes who is an aim, 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 fire. You know, I'm like, just fire three times. You're going to hit it eventually. Then aim, you know, if you missed it, three times, then make sure you aim. <laughs> that we've had conflict in our marriage and everybody does, but I could have been kinder, more patient. Mm-hmm. I'd have died more to self. I still got death to come and serving. So those, those would be my two things, man. Great. I could serve more. I could, I could speak. Better. Yeah. And I, lo- I love that you would just even just said, I'm, I'm working on it. Just that alone is so encouraging yeah. that men need to hear again. Like we so badly need more men that we see examples of who keep getting better. Who keep trying, keep fighting again, getting the fight is really came out of the idea in my own mind of that. I had gotten out of the fight. I'm doing fine. We're doing okay. <laughs> Everything's no big deal, but I wasn't fighting to be great in my marriage. I wasn't fighting to be great with my health. You know, I'd gotten out of the fight and we need to see men who get knocked down and keep fighting, right? That are 60 years old, 
35 years married and, and going like, I still got a ways to go. I love it. We need that. Right. It's not when none of us has arrived. None of us carries this thing like, oh, good. Follow me. Like, you know, when Paul's like, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm like, follow Paul while he follows Christ. But I'm just walking with you guys. <laughs> right. That's how I feel about it. So far to go. Just a few more minutes with you, Mike. I appreciate your time so much. I, I do want to ask. I'm curious. We're about to move in July into talking about some ideas of helping with ideas around technology in the home. Not even just for kids, but I mean, it's an issue for men, right? And so how do you help dads raising young kids? I guess that was my first thought, you know, these teenage kids and, and younger who are on devices. How do we help people stay pure and godly? What are, do you have any specific strategies that you and Kim have embraced when it comes to technology or thoughts on technology as we move into that conversation in July? Yeah, you know, first of all, we're slow on it. My 15-year-old just got a phone. And he got a phone because he just got his first job, really, this summer working at Horrocks. So he's, you know, it's convenient to have him call us and, hey, I got to get picked up. I got out early, blah, blah, whatever. You know, it's it's monitoring the apps, what they put on. You can't, you don't put on all these apps. All their phones, my phone it goes in the kitchen at night. They all get charged there. They all get left there. But on a, beyond that, I mean, we don't put a bunch of stuff on there. I'm not constantly taking them. One, we don't, we try to manage how much time they're on there. If I see them on, what are you doing on that? You know, really, it's a hard issue though, isn't it? I mean, because if I want to do porn, I'll do porn. I'll figure it out. I'll work around whatever system you put mm -hmm. on. My wife won't know or whatever. I mean, we're all conniving, evil people. So I got to get my kids focused. The other thing that is helpful, right, is if I'm idle, then I'm I'm going to probably go towards evil. It's easier to fall off a chair than stand on the chair. So, so staying outside, man, just doing stuff, staying engaged, playing games at night with your kids, board games, keeping them moving. Again, the balance is, you know, not in every sport, not in every freaking activity so that you're running like a nut right. job. But but within your family, just and especially in July, man, it's sunny out. Everybody should be outside. You know, when I'm I'm 60, my mom threw my butt outside. <laughs> when the streetlights come on, you come back. It's 10 o'clock yes. at night. You know, we, we played outside. And again, I know I didn't have iPhone options, but, but I think we were a healthier people back then. Uh, we fought, we played, we knew how to get along with people. We, you know, we talk about toleration and tolerance society. We're so intolerant. We learn toleration by, if, if nothing else, by getting beat mm -hmm. up or, you know, I don't want to play baseball. Well, the other nine of us are, so you can play or not play, but we're playing baseball. All right, I'll play baseball. I had to accept others. Anyway, so the, the, to your question, do other things. Don't don't be idle. That's a big piece, I think. And then, you know, take take a, the safeguards you need to take. But I'd go late. All yeah. of our kids didn't get phones till they had jobs. They pay for their own. That's another issue. I don't pay for a single one of my kids' phone lines. <laughs> They're actually all on my second son's phone plan because he his plan lets him get on for 25 bucks a month. So they're on his, but I don't pay for nothing. You buy your phone, you're on it. I'm not doing yeah. it. 
And I don't care what, you know, and you're going to hear it, right? Well, everybody else has one. I don't care. <clears throat> everybody else is going to hell. I'm, you're the only kid going to heaven. I'm making sure you get there. That's not true, Dad. You know, they'll give me all that business. But it's like, whatever, man. I'm not raising anybody else's kids. I'm raising yep. you. You know, and you can do it different. That's good for you. But in this, in this Attila the Hun household, <laughs> these are my rules. So... You just be tough. Yeah. That's the other part of being the dad, right? You got to be the bad guy. You got to be willing to be the bad mm -hmm. guy until they're older when they'll look back. And I'm telling you, my sons with kids have looked back at me and said, Dad, I can't believe how hard this is. Yeah. You were a, you were a boss. I get the best Father's Day cards. I literally mm -hmm. weep. But, you know, you got to be willing to not be their friend at 15. You know, that's just the way it is. That's great advice. Uh, yeah, that that's it's harder than people know. Like, you know, I'm thinking of some of these guys that have young kids who are not yet there and you love these kids, you know, and you want them to have stuff and you want, you know, it, it does. It pulls on your heartstring when they're like, Dad, I'm the only one who doesn't have this thing like and I'm whatever. Right. And, and it's just you've got to know that these things are not neutral that they influence and spend time with your kids, just like a bad influence person. Right. And maybe more so. And so that the very heart of the things you've said several times today. So, well, you want to have influence, you want to have relationship. Look at that phone is having influence and relationship and way more time than you get with them. And so you have to treat it like the rest of that and know that what comes into their mind and their heart and my mind and my heart in, influences my life. And our job is to guard their heart. That's our job as dads, right? To mm -hmm. protect their heart while we have time. Yes. I guess any last thoughts, Mike, speaking to this audience of Christian men in particular, who are on this journey to be the men that God made for made them to be, how do they find out what that purpose is? You know, how do they, how do they get that relationship with God in a place where they can actually hear what it is that he's saying to them? Any last thoughts or advice for them in that way? Yeah, I mean, to that question, right? Reading the scripture, every man needs to be in the word. Every day, as much, many days as you can, you know, just start reading through the whole Bible. Get a Bible reading plan that's 365 and start going through it. The whole word for the whole man. Make that your first discipline. You know, you know man up is a, is a guide. If you got no plan, that's a great place to start. And the other thing is leadership is initiative. I, you know, there's a guy that made a billion dollars saying leadership is influence. And he's probably a lot smarter. I'm sure he's a lot smarter than I am. But I think leadership is initiative. It's getting off the couch and taking action. And the first action a man has to take is getting into the word because we need God to direct us, lead us, guide us, fill us with wisdom, change our lives, change our surroundings. If we're not in the word of God, we have nothing for the spirit of God to use in our hearts and minds to change us and help us. So we, we need that. That's first and most. And then share that word with your kids as often as, as possible. Encourage them to get in the word themselves and talk to them. But take action. Initiate action. Don't leave the woman out. She may be further along than you, smarter than you. Good. Bring her along on the journey, but take initiative to read the word together, to pray together. You know, you don't have to be the best. You just have to be the initiator. Yep. Let's pray, honey. Let's read the word. Use her gifts. Use her talents. That's fine. 
she's a she's a daughter of God. She's you know you're equal at, at almost every level at every level in terms of right. value, but but her skill set's yep. different, and and so we're not equal that way. But my point being is simply, a man is a leader. A leader's an initiator, I think, first and most. And you know, that's where Adam failed so badly right in the garden. He didn't protect his wife. He didn't protect himself and he didn't protect his world. He let the devil destroy all three of those things in, in a moment. He watched. He sat and watched. That's, right. that's an amazing, an amazing story. Yep. And that's where, I, you know, I come up with the idea of leadership is initiative. He should have got up and, and fought for himself, for his wife and his world. And he did none of that. And that's what we got to do as men is uh, we we got to fight for those things. And it really just takes us taking action yep. and then getting some brothers to help encourage, equip. We don't know it all where we can help each other. And, uh, and our wives are part of our team. God loves team. God mm-hmm. loves community. God loves our, our working together, the church. So we don't have to do this alone. You know, and, and books are a great blessing too, right? From the past, great men and women have lived, and, and, and today, great men and women exist. we got to read a little bit, think. Anyway, blah, blah. No, That's my answer to that question. No, it's so great. I, I'm so, so on the same page with you with all of that. And again, I just, we want to make a big deal of Jesus and his word. We, I love God's word. We do a devotional every day in our community at 6 a.m., to just do 10 minutes of just showing the example of just how awesome it is to get into God's word and, and just how, how powerful you, you say this. Well, I wrote this down too, and you just re- rehearsed it again, but just, you know, the whole word of God, how did you say that the whole word of God for the will of God? Like you can't know the will of God if you don't know the word of God. Yeah. You can't know the will of God without the word of God, but the Holy spirit, he's not giving people new information. Jesus said he takes from what is mine and makes it known to you. So he takes the word of God and reveals it to us in terms of how to work that out. It's kind of like if you think every time we're in the word of God, we're we're putting stuff on our shelves of our hearts and minds that the Holy Spirit then takes off to use in our situations where we need right. it. If our shelves are bare, he's got nothing to work with. He, he, God is a respecter of us. If we ignore the power of his word, that was Jesus's bread. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his life. I only do what I see my father doing. I only speak the words I hear my father saying. And he was to fulfill every word of God. Where was that word? It was in the Old Testament. He had to fulfill all those scriptures to be the Messiah, the prophet, the perfect sacrifice. So you and I got to know the word. We got to live the yep. word. We've got to teach the yep. word. Um, and the Holy Spirit will revitalize that word in our lives if we'll, we'll give them that and pray the word, you know, this Lord. And, and the beauty of God is is whenever I read the word, you know, I, I fail. I mean, our standard's perfection. We're going to fail. Am I perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. But, but, but God's voice is like that encouraging, benevolent friend. He's not beating us up. Oh, you're not perfect, you ding dong. At one level, that's why Jesus died for me, because I'm never going to be perfect. That's right. So God knows that. He's not saying, Mike, unless you're perfect, you're never going to get into heaven. But he does say, Mike, that is the goal, and I'm getting you there. But you walk with me, man. Yep. I'm good with your falling down. I'm picking you up. Yep. You know, he's, he just wants us in the game, in the fight. That's it. 
Stay on your feet. Keep throwing punches. Duck, weave, bob, but stay in the ring. That's it, man. Yeah, exactly right. Well, listen, I, I'm so grateful for our time. I mean, we'll have to do it again because there's just so many other things I'd love to pick your brain on. And just I love your ministry for men for so many years You're in our community just very well respected and appreciated. And I appreciate your time to share with our community here. Tell us really quick for guys listening, how can they follow you? What, where would you suggest they go to, to get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Well, thank you for your kindness. Nogodcoach.com. And it's K-N-O, just like you said. <laughs> it's K-N-O-W, God Coach. So you're going to have to work a little bit, right? Because no God means, oh, there is none. He's a ding dong. And so I typed in N-O. But, you know, think a little bit. K-N-O, you know, no God coach. Everything's there if you want to get a hold of me or hit the book tab or whatever. But, you know, I just want to be helpful, whatever. However I can help guys. You can get a hold of me there. That's that's the easiest way. Probably. Appreciate it. Any last thing? Anything that we can be praying about as a as our community for you and for your family or for your work? Yeah, thanks. Well, technically, my thirty fifth wedding anniversary is this weekend. Oh, wow. Okay. So Kim and I are going away for three Excellent. days, and the the goal of that getaway in part is to just talk about the next thirty five years. Now, I probably won't make it realistically, but you know, you talked about seasons. So I got 13, 15, and 17. We got to wrap up our homeschooling. But I also want to be thinking more intensely with our grandchildren. Like we got them over mm-hmm. this week, but what do we want our life to look like? And I want to spend some time with my girl on that and just, you know, let's stay focused. What's our ministry look yeah. like? Maybe in the next couple of years, it looks like it's always looked, but 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 soon. And I want to begin to plant seeds. I want to hear yeah. her heart. Five to ten. Where are you at? What do you want to be doing? And and, and again, we talk about this. Well, we got to stay together. Yep. I don't want to be playing golf and she's knitting quilts, you know, and then she, and hopefully she didn't burn my chicken. <laughs> I want, I want to love her most of a human being and, and be joyful that I got this. I'm so happy with my wife. I want my kids to see a marriage that goes a distance where they want that same thing too, where they're like, that's a good marriage. I hope I have a friend like mm. that. Um, and again, it's intentionality. So I just want to talk to her about that. So that this weekend is okay. a big deal. Just to plant those seeds. That's that's my goal this weekend. And so prayer for that would be great as we, we just kind of talk. We got three days to just do nothing but but visit with each other and, and, and think. Yeah, that's great. Well, Mike, thanks again for, for being with us and sharing your wisdom and time you're doing great work and you're honoring God and what you do. That's it for today's show though, fellas. Thanks for joining the get in the fight podcast. Uh, make sure you connect with Mike and, and follow him. And I'll have some links here, maybe to his stuff in the show notes so that you guys can look for that and find that easy too. And maybe we'll get Mike for a fight club evening sometime this fall. And, and those of you that can meet with us in person might get a chance to meet with him and, Sure, we would love to have you for something like that, Mike. But, fellas, listen, be you got to fight to be the man that God meant for you to be. And we do that one day at a time. So it doesn't matter how yesterday went. Don't worry about tomorrow. Fight today and, and be that man that God made you to be. So have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.